I'm where God meant for me to be. Um, and, and I'm very grateful for it. And I'm grateful that I listened and I'm grateful that I did take a risk. And I'm grateful that I did chase this. And I'm grateful that I get to share with my kids the risk I took, the success I had, and the reason I got it. You know, it's because I wasn't scared. Like, I knew I was going to be all right. He's got me. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, guys, this is Hunter Levine, and thank you for listening to the Captain's Collective Podcast, brought to you by Skinny Water Culture, Turtle Box Audio, Costa Sunglasses, All Hands Vodka, and Orvis Fly Fishing. In today's episode, we sit down with Owen Gaylor of Port O'Connor, Texas, and dive into his story of turning from a cowboy to a full-time fishing captain. During my time in Texas, I had the opportunity to spend some time with Owen and some of his friends during the Baracho Pescador Fly Fishing Tournament, which seeks to raise funds and awareness around Rett Syndrome. In this podcast, Owen helps us dive into his upbringing in East Texas, his background in cowboying and working ranches, and what it took for him to take the leap into full-time guiding. Owen also shares tips on how to honor and interact with older guides and his approach to pursuing fish in quiet places. We hope that you enjoy our time together. Thank you for listening. This is the Captain's Collective. I'll say it's anything you choose, I think it picks you. You know, it's genetic. Let everything else stop in the world and just be quiet and it's amazing where your mind goes at that point um, and where it doesn't go and sometimes just that quiet space is is what we need and especially in this day and age you have a fly rod in your hand it's this tool that takes you to beautiful places you meet hopefully wonderful people and it's just this cherry on top of this outdoor adventure when the fish is coming that shot within a shot that timer starts beep 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 no one else knew anything anyway, and you just might definitely making it up as you're going along. But so what Grandpa and Dad would tell me is like, all right, where's an old big trout laying out there? Where's his shaving cream on the water? Where's he been shaving this morning? At? So look for his shaving cream on the water, and that's where he's gonna be. All right, well, hey Owen, thanks so much uh, for having me over tonight. We're about to have a couple fun days of fishing, and uh, I appreciate you just kind of showing me this one amazing setup that you have here, and we'll talk about that. Uh, but to just the Texas hospitality can hang out, have a couple of drinks and uh, talk about fishing. So thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Thanks for coming all the way over here. Uh, see our little slice of heaven. Yeah, it's been great so far. I got to see a Texas sunset over the, over the hills. I didn't see any white tailed deer. That's what I was. I was on full scout. They're getting ready. Hunting seasons around the corner. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> but man, it's been great so far. Um, I'd love just to hear, you know, you're born and raised Texan. Born and raised Texan, yeah, my, my family's been down here, or my family's been in Texas a very long time. Uh, what's, had, a, what's a very long time? I don't ten, know. Ten I, generations, a hundred generations? No, no, Texas, <laughs> I mean, is relatively young compared to the country, um, but uh, I'm not sure I hadn't done the whole lineage yeah. uh, ancestry.com deal, but I guess <laughs> for somebody asked uh, my dad, they said, Johnny, where's your family from? He said, I, I think Arkansas. So, I mean, that's far back as we go, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, I've been in Texas a long time, come from a uh, uh, outdoorsy family, uh, hunted, fished, 
our whole lives. My grandparents, great grandparents have some cool old photos. My dad, you know, of course we weren't like country club people, so we were in the woods or on yeah. the water. Um, used to be jealous of some buddies that had like ski nautiques and master crafts and I'm over <laughs> here in a bass boat or a war eagle or a pontoon jerking coffee, you know. Yeah. Or, or something you're like man those guys are that looks fun over there and you're like you're fishing dude like dad's like no we fish son (laughs) so so we were always fishing um which is great and i guess the reason i love uh love the water so much and and being out there well did you grow up right here in port o'connor no i actually grew up uh in east texas um which is geographically i guess this would be the closest clean water to east texas um so that's what brought me here um but grew up in east texas and that's where like we really like my dad was a tournament bass angler in his younger days and then had kids and turned it up you know threw in the towel um and dedicated his time to us and i guess uh that's put me where i am and and confident as an angler and and confident out there on the water and very comfortable did you do a little bit of everything as a kid or did you pretty quickly grab on to fishing no no um i actually like fishing was fun like it was something we did with dad and did a lot um pond fishing and especially fishing on lake you know like it's what we did my grandparents lived on lake fork so we fished um so fishing was kind of boring i'm very add yeah um so like if they're not biting like i'm I'm like Jonesing to go somewhere else. Let's go look over there. Let's go here. Let's go there. Um, which I've toned that down a lot uh, in my older days. But I guess the same man kind of turned me on to fly fishing because it's an ADD game. Yeah. You're always hunting. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're always looking, moving. stuff. Yeah. You're always looking. You're not sitting on the same, you know, point, windblown point. You're not sitting on a windblown shoreline. You're not waiting a cut. Like yeah. you're traveling, you're looking in that cut. Like, is there anything in it? You know? So I guess that's, that's the evolution for me. I guess from fresh to salt water started when I turned 18 and, and was able to actually really get down the coast once I got my driver or not driver's license, but once I got out of high school. Yeah. Yeah. And 18 when you got your driver's license, yeah, it took right. two years, 20, 20 tries. Those but you tests got it. are yeah. tricky. No, um, 18. So, and that's when I really started frequenting down here for summers. And then that evolved to working on charter boats, um, in the summer in Port A, um, and, uh, pretty much just running snapper trips on a 35 Bertram, just getting beat up. So what does dad say? 18 years old and you're like, I'm going to go work on boats. Your dad being an outdoorsman, was he all about that? Or was he kind of like, well, I mean, there's college. Um, there was definitely college cause so my father didn't go to, to go to college and my mom didn't go to college. So like, it was very important, uh, that me and my brother, my older brother went to college. Um, I'm not college material. Like you could ask them now and they'd be like, Hey, we Did should let Owen just go to work. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I had to, yeah. um, it was very important to him. Mm-hmm. And I thank I thank him a lot uh, for that for education being important to him. Um, I don't think it's necessary in my chosen professions that I've had in my young life. Um, but so graduate college. Yep. All right. What you what you what you study? Agricultural services and development. Okay. So my grandfather had cattle. Um, 
my dad had cattle with my grandfather and uh i guess uh when i was a young kid like 13 you know i'd get to skip school on thursday and work cattle with my grandpa and my dad like when we would ship or when we would process and all that um and he hired uh some cowboys uh to come and gather them with horses right because we didn't have horses like it was more about the product the beef right and so uh, do these cowboys man they're awesome right <laughs> <laughs> so you grow up like looking up to these guys you know and and uh about 13 years old uh well 12 year old i got my first horse and uh the next time you know i was 12 years old and these cowboys i looked up to like came and my uncle was roping and stuff at the time, so I kind of had some dialed equipment, like some old used stuff, right? Yeah. Like nothing new, but uh, I didn't look like some like drugstore dude. And uh, <laughs> been riding my horse a lot, you know, getting ready for when the Cowboys come or whatever. And uh, they came and uh, they let me g- help gather the cows and stuff. And uh, wow. Yeah, it's cool, right? But yeah. it, it, so it planted a bug in me. And so I did that um, for a living uh, from the time I got, I did it going through college. And then I did it from the time I graduated college, I think five, four or five years after college. Which uh, character in Yellowstone did they base after you? Oh, man, none of them. Those guys are squares, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. No, there's some them. hands. There's yeah. some hands. Like, you can tell the guys uh, that actually know what they're doing. Yeah. Um, but, so, yeah, so you're 12 years old. You, you know, I mean, uh, you know, Florida has a lot of houses. Or Florida has a lot of horses. Right. And there's a history of cowboys. A lot there. of cattle, too. But for some most Some of the Floridians, largest ranches in the world. Yeah, but for most Floridians, the idea of being a cowboy is pretty far-fetched, unlike, you know, a Texan. So you're 12 years old. Every every young boy's dream right? be a cowboy. They come. So how, how does that tie into kind of your college years, your, your cowboying, and you have opportunities to fish? I mean, mm-hmm. how did you, you work through trying to decide what path to go? Because those are two <laughs> different paths, it well, seems. I, I, yeah, absolutely. And I'll I tell you, the fishing deal um, – it was definitely a path I wanted to go on, but it was a path that where I was born and raised, like for the most part, like no matter how hard you work down here, like it'd almost be like, would you ever get accepted? Right. Yeah. So it's kind of like, dude, I'm just, I'm going to cowboy and I'm going to fish. The best thing about cowboying is your days off. You can roll down and fish, right. Or you can line up, you got slow time. So I'm like, I can ranch which I did and on a very large scale uh, for one guy. Um, and I really just burnt myself out. In college, that's when I started frequenting Port Aransas with my friend Miller Pratt. Okay. So um, we're frequenting down there and uh, start spending a lot of time down there. Summertime, like, I take it easy. I mean, you work enough to pay for whatever you got to do, but yeah, you ain't got nothing, so why not? So we were fishing a lot and more wade fishing uh, with artificials okay, um, and all that. And then started uh, getting in the back lakes and finding the tailing reds and stuff like that. And you're like, oh, right on. Like, yeah. That's cool, right? So you do that. Um, and then during that time, that's when, like, you start seeing the big boats and the yachties and stuff like that. And you're like, man, that's pretty cool, right? Like, these guys are working on some nice rigs for some good people, right? Yeah. And you're like, man, well, you got to do, do that. 
And so like charter fishing, you know, was a good, good start to that or whatever. Um, so during those summers, uh, I'd take it easy. And then I decided, Hey, I'm just going to go for it. And I did tell my dad, I had like $300. I was 20. I said, Hey, I'm just going to go. Like if I run out of money, like I know I can come back home. I can build fence. I can work cows. I can work at the cell barn. Yeah. Hustle. And I can make, make money, but I'm just going to try it. I got $300. I had a buddy named Jeter moved a camper down there and he's fresh out of college. So he's like, yeah, dude, you can crash in the camper. And, uh, like right on. So I was like, dad, I got a place to stay. Like, till I started making money. Yeah. Yeah. Cause Jeter's like, you start making money. Like you owe me rent. Right? Yeah. So you're like, <laughs> and then you got uh $300 cash. So I went down there, um, started beating the dogs a little bit, kind of going to like, they had like the back porch bar, which is kind of right there. Um, a couple of charter boats are behind it. All the yachty dudes like come in there and I get to be friends with a guy named Trent who uh, used to work on a 35 Bertram, uh, and uh, I was like, well, where are you working now? And he's like, man, I just got a job on a yacht. Like, I'm running my last charter trip, like, in the next three days or my last three trips. I'm like, cool. He's like, well, meet me out on the afterwards, after this trip, and uh, I'll introduce you to the cap. And I'm yeah. like, oh, cool. This time, like, I'm wa- washing a few boats, you know, <laughs> just, just just scratching. Yeah. And uh, not scared, though, like, because I feel like something's going to happen. Um, so I'll pull into the back porch, the boat set behind back porch, and I pull up and I see, like, kind of a fight breaking out. I'm like, what in the world? So I go and, like, break them up for some reason. I normally don't break <laughs> up fights. And uh, Trent pops around the corner and, like, helps me out. And I'm like, man, this is wild. And he's like, yeah, these were our guys that we fished today. Oh, wow. <laughs> they had, like, gotten in a fight in the parking lot, and I split them apart and, like, calmed it down. And uh, the captain, John, he saw that. And uh, I guess John was like, that's enough resume for me. You know, wow. so next day I was on the boat um, and and had another mate with me for the first few charters, but it just stepped right in, dude. That's just, what it takes in Texas is if you're going to – mate on a boat you got to be able to break up some fights <laughs> i guess man it's a yeah. it's wild west down here i don't know what that was all about i couldn't imagine yeah uh but hey it got me in the door and uh thankful for that um but that i think that to me the charter fishing was where i knew like yeah i could do this every day yeah easy like and enjoy it and i enjoyed like like, and we were just slime fishing for the most part. We were catching ling, snapper, you know, the occasional mahi, you know, yeah. occasional wahoo. Like, we weren't bill fishing by any means. And, uh, but I, I still enjoyed, like, teaching people, hey, drop it down, give it three cranks, bump, bump, let them eat, let them eat, let them eat. All right, now real. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I enjoyed that. And, and coaching, and then, like, watching the guys that bass fish a whole life and just setting the hook straight up, right? Yeah, yeah. And you're like, no, it's circle hook. You got to let them take it. Um, it was all like, I guess, the teaching aspect and the days on the water. Like, it, it didn't bother me at all. Like, Yeah. Um, and that's when I realized, like, man, this could this could be something. And so, but I still have, like, college lingering. I got a girlfriend at the time, you know, the one, quote, unquote. Um, so you're like, where do I go in life? Like, yeah. is this feasible? 
right? And you're still cowboying too, right? Yeah. So you're and cowboying so, college. But I'm fishing. I'm fishing now. Now I'm fixing to go to college, and finish my last semester. And it's like, and you got the girlfriend. Then you got what you're supposed to do. And I think like that's where society pushes you. Yeah. Like get out of school, do what you know to do, like marry that girl from college, whatever you yeah. know, and, and live your life and pay your taxes and die. And that. And that's what I believed, right? Yeah. Um, and and that's what I lived, uh, and I lived that for like four, I think four years. And so, back to charter fishing because yeah. I'm skipping some parts. You're gonna have a time editing this to make sense of it because I'm so ADD. So, I'm running like one of my last trips, and the cap there's a captain of the Blue Eagle, which the Blue Eagle is a pretty popular sport fishing boat, and mm-hmm. I think. Last time I checked, like I tried, I follow them on uh, Instagram, but they've been quiet lately. Um, but they were in Costa Rica last I heard and just moved up to like a 74 custom or something. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they were on, had like a Viking 62 Viking yeah, or something well. yeah. down here, you know, in Texas. And, and James Parker, he was an Australian guy. Uh, and I got to be friends with their mate, and then which led me to James. And uh, I had no idea, but the mate james dean was his name from fort lauderdale he was leaving and james parker was trying to find somebody to go to mexico with him okay and uh like this is like this is a fishing boat like it's a yacht like it but this isn't a sit pretty in the harbor like these guys yeah. fish um dream you know and uh he walks up he said hey if you're interested i'd like for you to be my mate we're going to mexico like just on the dock yeah I'm like, holy crap. You know, I'm young at the time, and uh, I, I do regret uh, not taking that opportunity. Yeah, yeah. I, re- I really do. I think the boat stopped in Mexico and got fuel and then went on through, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> they're doing big stuff. Um, but I do regret that, um, and I often look back on that when I make future decisions, you know? Like, be more in the moment and believe believe what in what you want to pursue yeah what 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 held you up you think college yeah i mean i had i'm not the smartest guy in the world so for me just to have another one more year left you know a year and some change it's like i'm right there and it's so important to to my parents um and i respect and love my parents so yeah you're gonna do the right thing um but i i know they would like now as an adult like i know they would have totally supported that decision and uh, I know that any of the other people in my life at that time uh, that I felt were significant would have followed me in that dream or, yeah. or supported me. Um, but, you know, as a younger guy, yeah, of uh, course. you don't think that way. So yeah. I went back to college. I finished up. Then I went to ranching and uh, really did really, really, really good my first few years. And uh, it was fun. Yeah. It was fun. Um, and, uh, was starting fishing and starting to fly fish at this time. Had a little extra change. How'd you get into that? Like, did somebody show you that? It was the progression from like college, like the back lakes deal with the plugs and fishing artificials. And then just, you know, started the Facebook deal started coming out and you're seeing people doing this. You're like, Oh shit. You know? So you kind of step up and, and kind of. I guess get into it that way, yeah. but it's also like 
you play with fly rods like almost your whole life like you'll go to academy and get one every year as a kid playing in the ponds you know yeah you break it and you throw it in the corner and you get another 20 dollar one the next next year you know but it was never like a sport and then i guess the older i got the more traveled i got and you start hearing about it and then you see it on facebook and they're like oh dang dude like, yeah like they're not wading the back lakes like they're in a boat yeah and that boat's not scaring these fish and like they're not cold they're not wet they're not uncomfortable yeah they got cold beer right behind them if they want one like that's cool <laughs> so i'm all about that so i guess that's that's when i started fly fishing um more wading type situations bass fishing and then coming down waiting on the coast waiting on beaches yeah you know just whatever but then uh then uh so you're you're fly fishing but like when i say fly fishing like i'm casting in the yard like i once i like look behind you look, yeah. look right there you see what do you see a golf net and yeah. golf balls you know how long i've been golfing about a month yeah but like when i want to do something like i don't want to be half-ass yeah like i'm gonna do it and i obsess over it and dream about it um and i think like that has to do with my progression uh so quick so go from 22 to 34 and now i'm guiding like that's not in my opinion that's not long yeah of fly fishing to call yourself a guide or whatever you know so so what did the the transition so you you know you you go to college you really start to fall in love with flats fishing you you're doing the cowboy thing that's opportunities there you're making money yeah you know you you get done with college you do what you quote unquote feel like you're supposed to do right you, you're, you're still fishing what did the leap look like for you out of the life that you felt like you quote unquote needed to, to live and into okay i'm actually gonna try to make a real run at this this whole guide deal as yeah. my main thing all right um well that's pretty easy um but it's kind of weird to say on air but i'll say it uh, it's a divorce mm -hmm. um you work real hard and and you try to provide a good life for people and uh, not saying what it's not about any of that but um you just realize your dreams in, in your life, like you got one shot at this deal. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can, at this time, like I'm burned out on my work too. Like I started losing on some deals and I'm, I'm getting beat up there, getting beat up at home, um, no escape. So you're really getting down there and fishing yeah. a lot at the coast, like a lot. And uh, just going down by yourself, leaving at three in the morning, pulling the skiff, going and fishing all day, getting back, un washing the skiff off, waking up the next morning, saddling a horse, going to work, work three days, and load the skiff back up, escape down here for three more days. Like, yeah. And you're just like, what am I running from? You know, like, and why am I running? And th the reason I was running is because the only solitude I found was out here in this marsh. Mm. And that's the only thing that like kept me sane through the whole process. Um, and thankfully, like I run in at this time, like I'm think, you know, getting dialed, but at the same time, kind of losing my profession yeah. as a rancher. Like I'm kind of taking a step back. Yeah. Um, 
So I guess like for me, the leap was investing in my own happiness. Mm. Um, and I know that's quirky and whatever. Um, but it is what it is. And that's what it was for me. And, uh, my mom has prayed and my dad has prayed like their whole lives, good Christian people, um, that I find happiness. And, uh, and I did one day out here and, uh, I knew everything would be all right. Um, and when I knew that, like opportunity came, dude, and it came. What did that look like? Um, Cliff Wright, you met him tonight, um, contacted me on Instagram and he's like, Hey dude, been following your Instagram, uh, which I don't even know how Instagram really works. I promise guys, I'm, I've didn't ever own a computer through five years of college. Yeah. Didn't own a computer. Like I don't own a computer now. I got an iPhone, of course. Yeah. So, um, but like, so he contacted me on Instagram. I don't know how he's following me, but this is cool. So he's like, Hey, um, I see you fish Port O'Connor a lot. We hold a tournament here called Barajo Pescador. He said, would you like to guide? Guide in it. And I said, I said, absolutely, dude. Like opportunity knocks. You pull the door, right? Yeah. Um, and this is like uh, right after I got my captain's license. So I'm like, yeah. And I haven't advertised or anything. Yeah. Um, so I was like, yeah, dude, for sure, man. And I'm all like, yeah, all right. Like, let's see what this is about. And, uh, I was like, Hey, uh, who am I guiding? And he's like, Paul Puckett. And I was like, Oh, that's cool. Like I yeah. didn't know Paul was an artist and stuff like that. And I was like, wow, that's and kind of a big deal in the fly fishing community. Right. For sure. I was like, wow, this is awesome. Um, so I remember and like you hear of all these guys, you know, JT and Deanie and all these guys. And, uh, I called him like three weeks later. I was like, and I was strapped, dude. Like, I was just, you know, I had, I could have like camped out in the truck or something, but I was yeah. just seeing if he had a place to stay. So I was like, hey, dude, do y'all got a place to stay or something for the guides? Cause they booked a bunch of guides. And he said, yeah, we got you in a house. I'm like, right on. So I'm staying in this house and like, I was like, hey, who all stay in there? And he's like, well, it's going to be you, Puckett, Greg Deeney, JT Van Zandt another guy named Jonathan Mackey, who's a dear friend, but like every one of those human beings right there are like good friends now. Yeah. Um, and, and very pivotal in my career just as this tournament was. So I fished pocket and we had, you know, we had a decent day. Yeah. Um, it wasn't nothing like we didn't win or anything. It wasn't some crazy story like that. Um, but it was those connections I made and I guess like how I introduced myself to people and, yeah. and carried myself around everybody. Um, people just kind of gravitated to it, I guess. Yeah. It is, is how my friend explained it after I talked to him. So the friend being, uh, JT, yeah. aunt, uh, after we exchanged numbers or whatever. And, and I told him kind of, I was thinking about guiding, but, you know, there's some OG guides here and you don't want to just come in. So I talked to him about it and he said, yeah, he said, I, listen, Owen, I, and we talked for a while and I thought it was cool because yeah. I looked up JT and I still do love you, brother. And, uh, he's like, you're going to, you'll be great at this, which is another push I needed. Right. Yeah. And, uh, he said, but you have to, uh, 
you have to introduce yourself to the older guides in the area, shake their hands, look them square in the eyes, and tell them what your plan is. Yeah. And he's like, you own that. I'm like, yes, sir. You tell me to do something, I'm going to do it. Like, um, so. What did that conversation look like? Like when, uh, so when, when you went it, to an older guide? Yeah. Know. I mean, and there, it's not, I mean, Texas is nothing like Florida. Um, <laughs> as far as like older guides and and the whole stair step deal. But, but there are a few here in this town, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and they deserve all the respect in the world. So, uh, I'd say one of the most well-known one would be Tom Horby. Um, so, and I wanted it to be organic. I didn't want to go to their house or something, you know? Um, so I went to Horby, uh, the fuel station. We're getting, we're getting some fuel and, uh, I went and introduced myself. I said, Tom Horry. I said, my name's Owen Gaylor. Um, I just want to let you know I plan on guiding here. And I just know I see you out on the water a lot. And uh, I respect you. And I respect what you've done. Um, this is my idea, you know, uh, and what I'm going to do. And, and all, all due respect to Tom, he, uh, he politely said, you know, sternly but politely in his manner, uh, said, I would go to Florida. and uh i wouldn't go here this is a tough spot to do this because this isn't a tourist town if you come to this town you come to fish with your god i mean and that's what it's about that's yeah and uh i was like yes sir i understand um but i really like this area and i'm kind of honing in but i'm gonna if you ever need anything out on the water i'm here for you you know yeah he said all right um, now I go quail hunting with Tom, you know, yeah, <laughs> we cool. we hang out and, uh, and, uh, I respect that man a lot. Kevin Townsend was another one. Me and Kevin are homies now. Like we have a great time together. Um, and all these great guys and by going up and shaking their hand and introducing myself, they didn't like it, but at the same time, like I wasn't going behind their back. Yeah. Um, and I was on the water every day like they saw me like i was by myself on the water every day for almost a year like just getting it and getting yeah. it and getting it and trying to just eat up all the knowledge i can and and get it organically like i've never fished with a fly fishing guide on the texas coast yeah like never like i'm gonna i'm gonna learn it all myself i'm gonna wreck out some stuff doing it yeah and uh and i did and uh but but I'm gonna learn it all myself, and, and I think I, I do take a lot of pride in that, and I will I will uh, take a lot of pride in my backcountry red fishing. Um, that's kind of my bread and butter right there. Yeah, getting deep back there. Um, the Jack Cravel stuff like that. It's a good game. Um, it's fun. Gives a good pull. But I really love the stillness, the quietness, the the hunt. Yeah, I mean the hunt, dude. I mean, really? Because if me, I get to hunt fish for a loon? Yes, please. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's the hunt and then watching the progression of an angler from the time, like socially and their skill and all of it, like from the time they get on the boat with you to the time they leave. So, you know, here we are on the eve of, I guess, the the beginning of this tournament that really was pivotal in your career. Absolutely. And for you, I mean, a lot's happened the past 10 years uh, yeah. as far as, you know, being able now, now I'm sitting here and I'm looking around, I'm, I was telling you earlier, I think this is one of the best setups as far as, 
that I've seen as far as people having their clients stay with them. I, I think this is the best I've seen so far. Yes, sir. Really great setup, great reputation. Um, for you, what's helped you grow the most the past 10 years when you think about from that first tournament to today? I don't know. I mean, and it wasn't like my professional guiding career is I'm on my fourth year professional, like full time. Yeah. And this is all I do for my fourth year. I, I, I can't, I mean, I, I cannot explain my success other than I get out there and I work hard and I try my best to put people on fish and I try to put them on fish in strange places. Yeah. I don't try to put them on fish on the main shoreline next to a waiting fisherman. Yeah. I try to put them on fish where they're alone with that fish, where they're not seeing anybody, where they're wondering how to get home when I wreck out, if I die out there, right? Yeah. Like, how am I? I'm dead, too, yeah. right? Like, and, that, and that's, that's how I've fished from day one. Um, and I've fished people that have been fishing here their whole lives that fish something different w with me. Like, wow, we've never even, we've been 50 yards from this cut that's half the size of your skiff and never knew it led back into this, right? Yeah. Um, that has helped me a, a ton just working hard. I think another thing that's helped me a ton is the community i have around me mm. from like anybody i come into contact with like they want to see me succeed like chase white a wonderful photographer um built my website and like helped me out on that like, yeah because why i don't know like because we're homies you know like because yeah. he saw something in me like i don't know but like he helped me out on branding and, and building that JT's helped me out tremendously on the business side and how to act and, and how to, how to carry yourself, you know, and introduce yourself and, and interact with your clients, you know, and, um, all the older guys, like they've all helped me and they've yeah. all, you know, and I, I don't know why, like, I mean, we got a special guy group here, like Mason Matiche, Yako Lucas, uh, Kevin Townsend, Horby, like, and we're all cool, you know? Like, it's not, we don't wish anybody a bad day on the water. It's yeah. good blood around here, and it's a good thing we have going right now. Um, we all help each other out. Like, somebody, like, hey, man, like, here's my people. Like, Y'all need, and we all do that for each other. Um, but as far as like my just the grace of god i guess is the reason like i'm sitting where i am in four years of professional guiding yeah my first year out of the gate i ran 167 trips wow my first year out of the gate i mean i can't explain that um and other than like working on many of those people i fish now like i'm down to just fishing people that come every month yeah just to spend a day um away from their job and and spend it with me on the water and uh a lot of the older guides and stuff like they they've seen this a lot more than i have and i had my first instance uh two weeks ago um i'm on the water and i get a text one of my regulars that fishes me probably three or four times a, a month um 
had like a massive heart attack, like 100% blockage, 85 blockage, like wow. 15% was not blocked, like out of his whole heart. Wow. And, uh, dude, it hit me on the boat. I had clients, and they're like, hey, are you all right? I'm like, yeah, man, I'll be all right. Like, But, like, I, I guess I didn't realize, like, how these people become family. Yeah. And uh, when I heard, heard the news of that client, like, it hit me really hard. And uh, I guess, like, it's those relationships like that, I guess, that helped my career, too, because that particular client has gotten me a lot of other clients, mm. you know. Um, and that's – I go for repeat business by word of mouth. Yeah. I don't go – like, my – yes, I have an Instagram, and, and I do have, a, um, like, a couple thousand followers. I don't have a big following on Instagram. I, I don't post a whole lot. We just – I mean, my wife just had a baby, so we're busy, yeah. you know, and she deserves all of me when I get off the water because I'm not available for eight to ten hours a day. Um, but I try to get business by word of mouth, and which has led me to a good book of regulars yeah, um, who drive in for the day or come in for a couple of days and, and do, do that monthly or bi-monthly, you know. Um they're a big reason for my success mm. is my regulars, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, I, I get the, uh, I get the appeal of being down here. You know, I could see a lot of people wanting to come down here and get away from yeah. everything. When you were talking earlier about, you know, you rather than just trying to put people on fish around a bunch of people waiting or to try to take them to places they've never been or take them to places that are still places. Talk a little bit more about your approach as far as, you know, don't give away any black magic, but just what are some of the, if you're chasing fish in really quiet places, what are the important things to keep in mind? Slow, slow. I mean, go slow, especially like, cause most quiet places around here are kind of dirtier water. I mean, the dirt, so the dirty water itself makes you slow down and it makes you read the water and read the water in those spots. Like, always you know try getting as far back as i can um while that dates back to like cowboying and what's over that ridge or what's past that wood line and yeah you know especially like if you're hunting wild cattle and stuff like it put turn the dogs out and you try to figure out where they're going so that's kind of what and you don't let nothing stop you so that's kind of what i do with the redfish Mm. so um but slow is slow just move slow don't pull real fast there's times to pull fast and there's times to pull slow yeah and if you're in a quiet spot and you don't feel like it's gonna go like burn through it and yeah. if you start seeing some wakes and stuff and slow um but like always like i guess just keep pushing further and i've run a good boat like i'm not worried about if I'm going to scratch it or something, a skiff's nothing more than a tool. Yeah. And that's the way I use it. Um, I clean it every day. Don't get me wrong. I want it, I want it to be shiny. Uh, but at the same time, like, I'm not scared to to push past that mangrove or push it through, you know, a little bitty crack, scratching both sides. Like, whatever. It's yeah. a tool. Yeah. Um, Where did that come from? You You talked about the cowboy aspect with you fishing let's just say since college have you uh-huh. always wanted to just go further 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 or was there something that's every that... yeah that's with everything like yeah. how like 
I don't know. Uh, I'm just wired like that. Like what's, and I think it's like kind of my FOMO. Yeah. I have real bad FOMO. Yeah. I told a client the other day, I'm standing up there and, and the type of fishing we were doing required a hundred percent of my time and, uh, and for hours on end, uh, being very still staying in one spot. And, uh, I said, man, I can't feel my legs, but my FOMO won't let me step off this platform. Like, cause I, I know like it's gonna, you know, yeah. so I guess the FOMO, like what's right there or how do you get in there? Or, and I try to do it as organically as possible. I don't have a GPS on my boat. Um, I don't have I try my best not to look at Google Earth or something while I'm out there. Like, I try to just push and find it. Yeah. Um, and you, I've, the reason I had a GPS on the boat, the reason I took it off is I feel like a GPS almost gives you a mail route. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you have all these lines on your graph, and you know what's working and what's not from the base on the tides. So you're like, oh, yeah, I remember that line. Like, I'll go hit that shoreline. Like, yeah. it paid off this time of year. Um, whereas without that, like, you may be, like, looking with your own eyes and be like, yeah. oh, look right there. Like, that's where I should, I should go just look at that, and then I'll go to that one spot I know, yeah. you know. Um, so I feel like not having a GPS allows you, or you may miss your cut that you normally make, you may have been looking at something, a wake or a bird or something. You may miss that cut and have to do is Instead, you don't have your GPS, so you're not like, oh, well, I can take this cut to get back. Like, you take a new cut, and that may lead you to something new. Yeah. You know, to get. Um, but it is funny to me, and I know a lot of the older guides can would tell you the same, how small a fishery can get after years and years in that same fishery. Yeah. Um I used to think like, wow, this still so big, you know, I'll never, never like see it all. Yeah. And now I'm, now you're struggling like to kind of, kind of find something new, you know? Yeah. Um, which kind of now maybe do some more open water type stuff, you know, instead of more back lake, like more middle stuff. Yeah. Um, kind of dabbling in that, no success, but. <laughs> and you don't have a. Uh most horses don't have GPSs when you're no, land. no, and the, yeah, you got to read landmarks, yeah. um, and that's another thing. Like a GPS, like with the, like you can take somebody that's really seasoned that fishes with a GPS out here, and you can take that GPS off their boat, and they may have a little bit of a trouble finding a particular spot. Whereas, like if you learn it without the GPS, like you start using, you don't you don't have a crutch to look down and see that line. Yeah. You have to look at that mangrove that leans this way over the water or this duck blind, you know? Yeah. So you start taking landmark, which then makes you look more at the water and not a screen. And so now you're starting to see other stuff that you wouldn't have saw if you're looking down. Yeah. So, um, that's my, my catch 22 on that. T tell me a little bit more about the Sabine just cause a lot, I think maybe, you know, there might be some people that don't know much about it. Give me kind of the walkthrough because it's, it's not your traditional fiberglass boat. No, it's not 
fiberglass at all. It is a aluminum uh, technical polling skiff. It is very quiet. And I don't know, I, I think Brian Little does not get enough props and respect on how quiet he's made these boats. I mean, there's they're zero noise off of them, you know, um, stealthy, um, which is amazing because we've all been on aluminum boats. Yeah. Um, I've had a lot of clients fish me all day and not even know it's aluminum. Yeah. And, and you're like, and they, like, end of the day, they're like, see a will, and they're like, is this thing aluminum? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, man. Like, oh, my God. Like, so, um, but it is indestructible. That boat right there, I think the motor has almost 800 hours on it. And, like, you can go look at the skiff, like an outrunner. Um, and other than a little bit of paint missing off the bottom and stuff, like, she looks pretty good. Yeah. Um, so they're tough as nails, my God. Um, they're just so tough. And Brian's, <laughs> Brian's great because he is a Texas skiff builder. So he understands like the water that we run, um, down here. Uh, it is very shallow. Um, and it is important that you have a motor that can get water in very shallow places. Yeah. Uh, mainly so your props not in the water, in the dirt, right? Yeah. Skinning up the bottom and putting scars in and all that. Um, so his boats, they, they run very, very shallow. Um, not that you need to run shallow all the time, just in a couple of spots here and there. Um, but, uh, they run shallow, they pull shallow, um, they're not that much heavier than your normal skiff. Yeah. Um, with an indestructible quality. And yeah. If you get tired of the paint color, just sandblast it and paint it. Yeah. So they're <laughs> cool boats, man. Yeah. They're really and great. I love it. I love pushing it. Um, but Brian's also, uh, and I've, I'm not going to say I've been helping him by any means, but I have had to get to a little bit of say so in the new uh, carbon fiber uh skiff that he's working on so yeah. we're really excited about that i should be receiving mine hopefully first of the year um and the first one should be out you know sometime december uh we're hoping um i'll have the first tunnel one but the amount of work and the amount of effort he's put into that boat it's going to be pretty wild yeah uh the finished product it's very exciting to watch it come along and to watch the process and and I, I think for brian it's it's going to be a really cool thing to see in the in the whole skiff world because because it's gonna turn some eyes you know oh for sure so we're really excited about that everything's like so dialed in on that and it's been so fun to just get to say hey what if we did this right here and he's asking me like hey what about this and what about that and i'm like oh yeah that might work and then I may, like, call him, and I'll be like, hey, I have this idea. And he's like, oh, that's stupid. That would never work. Like, <laughs> he always says, trust me, I'm an engineer. So he he definitely uh, definitely is getting everything dialed on that and uh, very proud of him for taking that step because that step for him is the equivalent to me doing what I did in my professional life by transitioning from ranching to, to red fishing, you know. 
Uh, so it's a big jump for him. So I'm stoked and can't, yeah. w- can't wait to see the finished product. Yeah, I look forward to meeting him and hopefully get an interview with him one day as well. Oh, so. yeah. Yeah, he's great. Um, but, no, this has been a wonderful ride. Um, I look forward to doing this till I can't. And um, I just want to thank everybody that's fished with me. And, and if those that want to fish with me, call up. Um, we love seeing new faces and meeting new people. Um, my style is pretty chill on the water. I'm not a yeller or nothing. I, I do get disappointed. Yeah. And I may say, like, <laughs> Brandon Simmons, uh, he's with Duck Camp, super wonderful guy. And uh, Duck Camp's such a wonderful brand that's been with me for with, for a long time. And yeah. I did a shoot with them, and they just gravitated towards me. They just loved, loved their time with me, and I love my time with them. And uh, Brandon, we were doing a photo shoot, and he missed a shot, and it's on video. I just said, shame on you. Or like <laughs> he made the shot, maybe trout set or something, had a bad day yeah, of yeah, trout yeah. setting or something. I just, and I may, I'm sure I corrected him several times. And I finally just said, shame on you like that. <laughs> and he's like, it hurt me. It hurt me. I'd rather you, you cuss like, me. You sound like his yeah. mama. Yeah. Yeah. Shame on you. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> it's pretty funny, but I try to stay calm. Um, some sometimes on like a 12 day run in a row you know yeah. you, your patience is a little short but I always try to stay positive and and work with people and and coach people up more than coach people down because hmm. after all they are spending eight hundred dollars of their hard-earned money yeah to spend the day in a small town on the coast with me like they yeah. didn't they didn't come here for the go-kart track or the bungee jump in or the crystal clear beach. Like they came here to fish with me. Yeah. And they paid their harder working money to spend that day with me. And I'm not fixing to tear them down. Yeah. I'm fixing to respect them. And, and now I may get upset and I may, you know, but it's all in wanting that fish yeah. for that client and wanting success and wanting them to, to feel like they've did it, you know? Yeah. That's good. Um, let's do some rapid fire. Cause I got some good rapid fires for you. So, uh, my, my first rapid fire is, you know, we've talked a lot about, we kind of touched on the, the cowboy stuff a lot. Mm-hmm. What are some of the big bullet points of advantages that somebody with a cowboy background has when it comes to flats fishing? Mm. I guess a toughness and a dumbness, you know, <laughs> like, like cowboy like, you're not going to get rich. And it's hard work, but it's very a pri- it's a prideful thing. Mm. So you're very very prideful in your work. You you have good gear, you have good horses, you have everything's good. Now you may drive an old beat up truck, but like your horses and the stuff you make a living with are good, right? Yeah. Um, so I guess with flats fishing, I feel like one you're tough. Um, two you're dialed on your gear three you know what you're doing and uh let's see there's got to be a fourth well i mean you you were talking about the (laughs) gp when you were talking about the gps i thought that was interesting because your situational awareness which is Uh a fancy term for just paying attention Mm -hmm. you know there's there's some level of that that you know you're you're kind of being conscious of where you're going and you got to get back home Mm -hmm. you know 
Yeah. You can't just wander through the woods and not pay attention. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, for sure. You got that. Um, cowboying and flats fishing, how is it the same? How is it different, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. How, yeah, well, I mean, how is it different? What's the biggest difference for you when you look at if your life would have went that route? I don't, where it is today, what do you think the biggest difference in your life would be? Happiness? At, at the point I was at, so I was cowboys so... cowboys aren't happy. No, no they I'm are. Kidding, I'm I kidding. was burnt out, man, and had, had a relationship failure, and some of that skulls working all the time. Um, yeah, dude, you work all the time. Like, yeah. And now, like, I've learned, like, it's all right not to work one day every now and then. Yeah kick your feet up sleep in like i guess when you uh when you're cowboying like you have something to feed every day whether it's a horse or a dog or some some cattle or anything you have something to feed every day every single day like and it's not just a little bit like i had 12 dogs you know like all in kennels like i had to feed every one of them every single day yeah and and three horses you know every single day um, so now I don't have to do that. I get off, I spray a skiff. Like it is kind of yeah. similar, like cowboying in this, like, especially day working, like I was like guiding in that is so similar. Cause one, I wait for their phone to ring and it's a client and I see them every year around the same time, it's yep. same as cattle work Two, like, uh, they become somewhat family, you know, uh, three, like instead of unsaddling or instead of saddling a horse, like I'm getting loading the skiff up, putting yep. rods in, putting towel in there, loading my lunches, my waters, all that. Um, so, and then when I get off work, I have to wash the skiff. I have to get all everything out. Yep, you gotta get feed everything it. dialed for the next you day. Feed it gas. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, and then you wait on that phone call again to book that next day, you know, or, yep. or to schedule your next week after that next trip after that, that trip, you know? Mm. So it's very like in that, in that there's no stability. Yeah. Your stability relies on your hard work, how you do and, uh, the type of person you are. Yeah. And that is your stability. That's what gets you the next trip. And same thing with cowboying. If if you went out there and lost your shit and went crazy on a cow, like you're probably not gonna get called back. Yeah. If your dogs chewed a cow up and chewed their ears off their head and and you didn't have a handle on your dogs, you ain't gonna get called back. Yeah. If your boat sinks and you don't know what you're doing out there on the water and you wreck out in a reef and you're stuck there for four hours and don't know how to push off, you're not gonna get a call back. Yeah. I mean, so with with your professionalism with your expertise like the only stability somebody that guides or somebody that cowboys has is themselves Mm. and they're in charge of their stability if somebody doesn't call you back to fish there's a reason Mm. there's a reason now it may take five years for them to call you back to fish and you thought you lost them but they really (coughs) just don't get down here much yeah but like if you lose somebody and they go in there fishing with somebody else and they don't ever fish with you again. Like, you know, Hey, like I, what did I, what did I do that time? Yeah. Right. That's um, good. I don't know of many times that's happened to me, but I'm sure quite a few, but I don't know. <laughs> oh, I think that's good. You know, uh, you had mentioned earlier too, you were talking about kind of the, 
figuring out an introduction of fly fishing around, Oh, I saw something on Facebook. Uh You know, everybody time and time again says, if if you want to get good time on the water, just got to go out there and do it experience, get around good people. But outside of that, what are some things that you feel like off the water have helped you as an angler and captain? Um, off the water as an angler and captain, I think any experience I take, anything I get, um, for one golf, like I've never golfed, like I'm a month in, like I'm a couple of months in, I'm, I suck, right? I'm trying. Um, but I knew a lot about golf cause I had a lot of friends that golfed and just cause it wasn't a topic I was interested in, I'd still listen. So I understood the difference between a blade and a normal club like I would use. Yeah. Like I know the difference. I know like, I know kind of the basics of how you swing. So I can, in almost every one of my clients golf. So I could tie it back to yeah. golf as I'm teaching them how to cast or something or, or what they're doing, you know, I'll be like, Hey, you're doing like a full swing. I need a half swing or yeah. something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I had a guy the other day show up, never fly fish in his life, shows up with a Sage Igniter, which is a wonderful stick. But for a beginner, that's a very fast rod, you know? I was like, man, do you golf? And he's like, yeah. I said, well, I'm going to explain this in golf terms. It's like, you just showed up with some brand new blades and you've never golfed before. You're like me. He's like, oh, okay. Yeah. I was like, Sage makes, Sage makes the rod for you, you know? Try the Maverick, you know? It'll yeah. slow you down a little bit. Um, so came back with the Maverick and killed it. Um, but, um, so it's all, it's all things like that. Um, I guess I use like any life experience I have, whether it's my kids. Um, I have two daughters uh, from my first marriage and then I just had a daughter six weeks ago with my wife now, Erin. And, uh, whether it's my kids or, or my relationship with my kids, like being a divorced father, like I'm not scared to talk about that on the boat with my clients. Yeah. Like, and, and my life experiences and, and a lot of times like you take your life experiences and then they connect with that. And now you have a relationship. Yeah. You're not subsurface, you know, or you're not on the surface. Yeah, like yeah. You're getting in there. Um, and that's something, um, later like the difference in me four years ago to now would be that like i want to know your goals for the year Mm. like i'm invested in your life just as much as you want to know about my life and what's it like living in port o'connor and how's your wife like it and you know what's it like being a guide full-time you know like i put that much investment into them like hey what do you do for a living hey what's your goals for 2022 like what's what's big in your life yeah what's what drives you you know and um i'm getting more comfortable having deeper conversations with my people uh Mm. compared to where i was um so i guess life experiences i guess this is not that rapid rapid fire well it never it's never rapid okay it's never never rapid but rabid (laughs) it's always uh yeah it's rabid fire yeah Yeah, it's just me spewing out things that i want to ask um yeah, I was curious too. So, talk me through for you, you know, the perfect shot as far as like we're back in a pond somewhere. It's quiet. There's a redfish crawling. Mm. Talk me through kind of how that's going to go down and how you're going to talk to me. All right. 
Oh, man, perfect. Backer, huh? Yeah, backer. All right, Hunter, up here, 11 o'clock. Look up there on the bank, about 80 feet. Now go right, go right, right there. All right, you see it? All right. See his back? All right, you got it? Okay, I'm going to get up closer. I'm going to pivot the boat. So as soon as you feel the boat pivot to the right, I want you to start your cast. All right, go ahead and start your cast. Go right, go right. Drop it. Wait. Strip, strip. He ate. That would be the perfect mm, situation yeah. right there. Yeah. Um, and I, I feel like that's how I am. I, I try not to get real excited over Yeah, uh, try to keep it calm. Yeah, and if you miss, like I've had some people miss and look back at me and say, I'm sorry, I'll get the next one. And I'll just look at it and I'll put my hands out and be like, sorry. Yeah. I, did, I did my job. Yeah, yeah. I did what I had to do. It's up to you to catch that fish. Yeah. And I think for 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 fly fishermen, if they're if they're new or seasoned fly anglers that haven't done the salt thing yet, or or vice versa, practice in your yard. Like have that cast out because what you're gonna get out of that just ten minutes a day in your yard. You don't have to be at a swimming pool. You don't have to be anywhere. You're gonna get so much more out of that than you are if you come here and I have to teach you how to cast. Yeah. Um, $800 is a lot of money to for a casting lesson. For a casting lesson. Yeah. yeah. We'll get you a fish, but you could add 10, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and, and so that, that's where I am with that practice, practice, practice. And I got a hack and all the five casting instructors will probably yell at me for this. But if you just cast a rod at the house, and you don't have a leader or a fly on or anything, and you cast your rod and just cast the fly line, you're going to feel that rod load a hell of a lot better than you are with a leader and a fly line. Get used to casting without a fly line when you get very, or without a leader, sorry. And when you get comfortable and you're really shooting that line out, then add your leader and a fly. And I think a lot of people don't do that. A lot of people feel like they have to have a leader and a fly on to practice. But yeah. you can really feel feel rods a lot, especially a lot of these quicker rods. Yeah. Really good without a leader um, and a fly on there. But you don't have to put that on there. That may not make sense. No, it makes sense. I think it makes sense. You had mentioned during you know during the season where you're going through divorce and you're trying to figure out what to do with your life that you kind of found peace down here in the marsh. If you were in your, your deathbed, you're 80 years old, you're in your deathbed, and one memory was about to pop in your head of this marsh, what do you think that memory would be so far? <laughs> Man, it, it would be of the time that it happened. And I can, I can tell that story. I get emotional when I tell it. I normally don't tell it much. but uh, And it sounds real kooky and made up, but I swear to God, like, this really happened. Um, I'm fishing by myself, uh, and I'm pushing like some real tight kind of floody grassy area, uh, Spartina grass. And you just kind of have trails with little potholes cut all in it. And, uh, I'm pulling that and I'm having a pretty, pretty successful day. Um, based on the weather is foggy or is cloudy, no fog yet. Um, it was cloudy and just couldn't see good, but for some reason the fish were popping out really good and, and, uh, 
just standing out great and in real tight quarters and uh, just cane pulling them. It was beautiful. And then all of a sudden I'm so enamored by this and I'm sticking, you know, it's pretty good fishing. And uh, all of a sudden I'm in a fog bank. Like I'm in fog. Like I can't see the front of my skiff. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, man, like, what do I do? And at this time, like I'm, I am like pretty emotional and like just kind of like not really um, know what I'm going to like what's going to happen like i yeah. had two little girls at the time and um very scared and uh yeah a piece came about me i got put in a fog i got in the bottom of the boat and uh i wrote my mom a long text message just explaining like i know you've prayed for me i know you want me to see god mm. and like like wrote her this text, this really long text, how I truly felt him, and I'm okay. Yeah, I'm good. Wow. Um. Yeah, I mean, I can picture that moment right now, like plain as day. Um, but yeah, just let my mom know I'm good. Wow. And uh, I'm happy. And uh, it's, life's all right. Yeah, and you know it's <laughs> interesting because you know, you're probably not alone in that if I, and I'm hoping to ask that question more that it's not about a fish. Yeah, no, no, it's not, not at all. It's about being, um, where you're meant to be. And I say, I, I say this too, like cowboy and stuff. I, I was successful at first, uh, it was an easy market to get in, um, ranching and, and running yearlings. And, uh, I did really well, but, um, it, it always felt like I had to work, you know, my butt off to get to where I was. Yeah. Like, like nothing came without a fist fight. Like nothing. Like, so like guiding and explaining my first year and, uh, running 167 days, um, that to me like it's proof in itself and that's fly fishing. That's not using any conventional, that's fly yeah. only. Um, that, uh, if you're doing what God truly wants you to do, like, Hey, it's success comes good, but you got to keep that in mind. Like why yeah. you're, why you're there. You're only there cause you listened. And, and it took, uh, it took a few years for me to listen and it took a fog bank for me to sit down and listen as soon as I did it's alright you know like I'm going to be alright and my success is that's the only way to explain it is I'm where God meant for me to be um, and and I'm g very grateful for it and I'm grateful that I listened and I'm grateful that I did take a risk um and I'm grateful that I did chase this and I'm grateful that I get to share with my kids the risk I took, the success I had and the reason I got it, you know, it's cause I wasn't scared. Like I knew I was going to be all right. He's got me. Yeah, <laughs> man. Well, thanks so much for sharing your story and sitting down, man. It's yeah. been so good to hear it. And oh, it's been, I look forward been to spending a, a couple days with you. 
Uh, hopefully we don't have to redo too much. I, I think everything's kind of foggy here. You got me up past my bedtime. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, it's good. Well, thanks. Thank you. And, uh, I hope you enjoy the tournament. I hope you'll catch a lot of fish. Thanks again for listening to the captain's collective podcast. Help us out by sharing this podcast with your friends online and leaving us a review on iTunes or Spotify. Thanks for listening. This is the Captain's Collective.
want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Tune in to West Marine's Life on the Water, presented by Costa Custom Boats, every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew here at Duck Camp Dinners every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Birds up in the sky.